0: All right, Helena Boudreaux. I've been thinking about this. It's the winter. I think we're getting close to February by the time this episode releases, and I just was thinking, all right, would you rather, this is going to be really oh, hard. Oh, it's a would but, you rather. Yeah, would you rather introduce yourself? This is not just in person. Uh-huh. And this is every morning when you, you know, say hello to Lou. Okay. This is every opening line of every email you ever write again. Huh. Um, so every text message. Any you must, dialogue
1: in my life. Basically.
0: Any dialogue. Okay. I suppose this might even affect your prayer life, Alana. Okay. How would you feel about having to introduce yourself forever and always and consistently as Alana the abominable snowman, snow woman, snow princess, <laughs> I don't even care. You can keep um, it snowman
1: because that's just yeah. even worse.
0: Yeah, you're right. Or never drink a hot drink again. That obviously includes coffee. Oh,
1: uh, but I could drink iced coffee.
0: <laughs> I'm already impressed with your ability to find a hole oh, in my... Oh, I'm a wily Would one. Would you rather? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. No what? hot drinks and no... Ooh, how do we just go crazy? No hot drinks, no caffeine whatsoever.
1: Oh, that's horrible. That's horrible. That's cruel. <laughs> Cruel cool and unusual punishment. Um,
0: I mean, abominable. I mean, it's just a reputation that you'll slowly develop. It's
1: no, no, not, no. Not that history is, That is the death of a social life Because <laughs> if I actually did that and like didn't explain it to anyone, you know, everyone would be like, "What is going on with the and, Like, and, she has some sort of issue yeah, happening here. You where couldn't think laugh.
0: She, you couldn't smile. It would have to be deadpan every time. Yeah.
1: I don't want to be no. I mean, I like being quirky. Not that quirky. That's even
0: like as you're just reconnecting with old friends, you have to bring it up every time.
1: Yeah, I can't. I would I would
0: (laughs) Oh and hot drinks. Yeah. And you've got Canadian in you. That's saying. And I would miss it. It
1: would be horrible. But it's better to maintain social decorum. (laughs) (laughs) I have to be honest.
2: Welcome to season two of the Love Good Podcast where you learn how to love what is good so you can become what you love and change the world. This podcast is brought to you by our patrons, a community of intentional consumers who curate music and books based on the transcendentals of beauty, truth, and goodness. Join us each week as we sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about media, culture, and what it means to be human. We're so happy you're here.
0: welcome to the love good podcast everybody this is your host jimmy mitchell you're listening to season two Episode 20. Really excited, as I always am every other week, to sit down with my co host, Alana Boudreaux. Today, we talk about enlightenment, rationalism, emotionalism. I don't know if you guys are history buffs, if you're really into philosophy, but this is one of the best introduction conversations I've ever heard that really helped me understand why some people in my life are super brainy, like really always have to make sense of everything before they even take a single step forward. And why other people in my life tend to be like highly emotional, and if they can't feel it, it ain't real. And these are actually two very different schools of philosophy that Alana, being the brilliant person that she is, breaks open for us beautifully today on the podcast. And that actually affects art. It affects music. It affects culture, and I would say more than anything, it affects our psyche. It affects our perspective on the world and what it really means to be human. How to go about making decisions, where to find peace and joy and fulfillment. All these kinds of transcendent, universal realities. So it's going to be an incredible show today. We're having a really fun announcement at the end about a brand new video from Michelle Mandico, Michelle who was on the episode with us last week. So that's been really cool. Stay tuned for that, and I'll be back in just a few moments with Alana Boudreaux.
2: There are strangers like.
0: Just as we Welcome back to the Love Good Podcast, everybody. Sitting down as always, this is your host, Jimmy Mitchell, with Alana Bujo. Hi. Hello.
1: Good I kind of sang
0: the last syllable of your last name there.
1: Yeah, I like Bujo. hmm I mean, mm-hmm.
0: this is sort of a, but kind of time of the year. It's yeah, yeah. It's February. Like, February. It's the shortest month on the calendar, the but doldrums. the longest month in my psyche. I can't it's a dreary, it. dreary month. Yeah, I suppose there are some exceptions to that. We do have at least two patrons I'm aware of, and a growing number of listeners in New Zealand and Australia. Really? So for you guys, you know, just keep baking in the sun, and oh, um, yeah. don't make us feel so bad about it. Like, mm-hmm. can you imagine February being your summer? Like, that's that's their August, right?
1: Yeah, that is. Oof, right. That's right? cool. It would have a completely different connotation.
0: Yeah. Yes. I always wonder what is it like to have a hot Christmas. What is it like to have a cold August? Oh,
1: I guess... It's weird, right? I guess you wouldn't have had that. I mean, uh, you know, growing up in the East something. Coast, though, I, I always assume that, that people down South had Yeah, that's warm. true.
0: And there's like whole songs. There's like a whole genre of Christmas music that's just sort of like Beach Boys, isn't well, it?
1: Well, for you in Georgia, was it always pretty cold? It was definitely cold. It was. Okay. Rarely
0: yeah. would there be snow. But by cold, I mean it's definitely in the 30s in yeah, December. Yeah, that's cold. Yeah, yeah, cold enough. Yeah. Enough to justify all the songs about... You know, white Christmases right. and things like I that. I
1: always, as a child, like thought it sounded kind of depressing, the idea of mm. having a Christmas with no snow. Yeah, well, like, yeah, because you're used to it, to aren't me. you? Like, when I'd see pictures of friends who'd send in their family photos from Florida or something, I'd be like, palm trees?
0: What? <laughs> I, that's what's funny, because actually, this year, Mom, Dad, and I, we actually did Christmas in oh, you Florida. Did? Was it? Palm trees and all. It no. Oh. Was delightful. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love the beach and I love the heat more yeah. than I love the snow and the winter. But this is a time of the year where something in me does long for the mountains. Mm. I definitely long for adventure because I you know me well enough to know that I get bored easily if mm-hmm. I'm not careful. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I remember the worst February of my life was when I lived in Columbus, Ohio. Ooh. Anybody who lives in Ohio knows oh, yeah. how difficult I went February. to college for
1: four years in Ohio. Oh, you know all about it. That's right. Seasonal affective disorder that, that all thing. over the place, man. Yeah. Everybody was just like
0: depressed. Was there like a place <laughs> at your wellness center or your health center that would just be like a room where you could get your UV rays? In no. Or something? I
1: mean, a lot of people had those vitamin D lamps in their rooms. Yeah.
0: I literally just took a vitamin D. Did you know that? I've been just taking vitamin D like in the last too, five minutes.
1: When I did keto, I didn't know that. You just yeah. did. Wow. Yeah, because
0: I know I'm not going to be outside all day. We're in the studio all day. You know, oh, I'm so that's not going right. to be in that's
1: the why sun. you're kind of. Chipper,
0: glowing, Mm, glowing, Mm -hmm. glowing. Yeah,
1: with vitamin D, everybody
0: take it. That's saying a lot, again, because it is February.
1: (laughs) Yeah, seriously though, it's like a time with the gray, overcast skies. I always think of them as being Steinbeck skies Mm. because they're sort of ambiguous, Mm -hmm. and a lot of Steinbeck's writing is a little bit gray and ambiguous. Like, it's it's yeah. fascinating, which February is not, so this is not a perfect analogy. <laughs> <laughs> but this is just me telling you all a thing that I do in my mind. I just think, oh, a Steinbeck sky.
0: You're the only one. No, you're not the only one. You're just who we all want to be. Atlanta. Let's be real. <laughs>
1: Thanks. Yeah. I don't know if that was a compliment or a joke, but I'll say it's a compliment. I guess
0: it was a compliment. Like, I just... I guess I'm just not well-read enough to think that is a Steinbeck sky.
1: Mm, could just be an oddity of my brain. No. Where I think I just stow pieces of information away and then tie them together, like, cobble them together. But this is one That's of, actually your, a, a, of your – these two of
0: your coming together at once. A Steinbeck
1: quote said she was in the habit of building up laughter out of insufficient materials. Oh. So she would, like – the idea there being that this woman that he's describing would just, like, she'd find things – she'd find humor in situations that – Usually you wouldn't find, which I love is, that. I think, good. Because that,
0: that gift of, like, connectivity. Yeah, of synthesizing. Synthesizing. Mm-hmm. So you're a collector and a synthesizer of very interesting facts. And more than facts. Truths yeah. and philosophies and ideas. and
1: Kind of like a crow. Well. Crows, like, their nests are—this is going in so many weird directions. But, but- crows,
0: like, we're talking, like, <laughs> there's a lot of material going into their nest? Is that what you're about to say?
1: Yeah, all kinds of different material. Mm. Yes. Yeah.
0: Like, a, like, there could be, like, a, a beer bottle can? Could or well, there could a, be?
1: I mean, like twine or tinsel, or maybe a, you know, piece of a diaper. Do <laughs> right. you
0: know to this day? I, I don't know what tinsel is.
1: It's, you know, there's certain things. It's you like just cellophane. Sort of, what? It's like cellophane.
0: <laughs> Keep going.
1: You know, like what? Like uh, candies are wrapped in.
0: Ah, uh, really? Tinsel is like like a plastic candy wrapper. I think yes. Okay, I definitely thought tinsel had something to do with the holidays. And but
1: it is. It's. I think it's the same material.
0: Get the crap out of here.
1: Same whatever synthetic thing that is. Why
0: do you and I have this tendency to say things on this podcast that we wouldn't say anywhere else? I'd be too embarrassed <laughs> to admit not knowing what tensile is. It's one of those I things I just sort of I pass by.
1: It's funny every time because yeah, this... I don't want to
0: admit, or and I don't care enough to look it up later. I forget.
1: This studio room is a place that's it's like a twilight zone. It's yeah. outside of any other realm. Well,
0: yeah, the insulation, for those who don't know how a studio works, the insulation in the walls and the ceiling is about twice the size of your head, okay? I have a big
1: head, so yeah, maybe <laughs> just one.
0: I do too. It's always extra large on the fitted caps.
1: Is that right? Yeah. I think mine might be too. And then with my additional really? hair. You're serious? Uh, yeah. That's an XL? I think so. <laughs> I would have never guessed. It's proportionate, <laughs> though. <laughs> I
0: think so. Ah, well, so speaking of collecting and assimilating facts. Yes. We obviously chatted two weeks ago about technology, and mm-hmm. we promised a follow-up. And, well, okay, even just in preparing this little dialogue, you mentioned the Enlightenment. You yes. mentioned technology. You mentioned the loss of the religious sense. You probably mentioned like one or two other things, and I'm like, how does all that connect? But this is yeah. exactly mm-hmm. your gift. So, yeah, jump in. T- take well, me into the deep waters.
1: As I've been thinking about all these topics that we've been tossing around and discussing, I really did think. I mean, I just I just keep going back to the Enlightenment as being a total watershed event. <laughs> and and it's like it's interesting to me that a lot of people walk around today and they have no idea how much. Immanuel Kant has affected their life, but he really, truly has. And you and I both. Like, we're sitting here in part, well, largely because of the Enlightenment. Like, with this technology, these microphones, we're going to shoot this podcast out to thousands of people, and it's going to be, like, shot up into a satellite in space and then bounce down to their phones, et cetera, et cetera. That's That's insane progress, you could call it. So that's why I was like, I would love to just talk about the Enlightenment and how it's affected us today and see how we can synthesize it with all kinds of other topics, because I think we can and we will. Yeah, and you've probably
0: studied philosophy a little bit more systematically than I have. I mean, I I, had one year of it, but it was very loose.
1: Yeah. I Sometimes I think about going back to school to get my major, but I did have a lot of philosophy in college. What did you study in college? Theology was my major. Ah. Yeah. That's interesting. And it would have been a philosophy minor if not for logic. Logic. I feel like I mentioned that on this podcast before, but that class was the bane of my existence because the professor made up his own system of logic. Oh no. And it was rigged so that we all got D's on the first exam. That's stupid. Because he wanted to teach us life lessons. I'm which is kind of I know. And then I dropped the class. But anyway, all See, this to say that's
0: too bad because logic is foundational.
1: Oh, not yeah. just the philosophy, but I to really like understanding wanted, anything, knowing yes. how to think. Right. But that that also bleeds into this topic on the Enlightenment because logic became mm. the be all End all. Right. So, Good point. So for those of you, I mean, I'll just do a quick. I don't want to assume that nobody. I I don't want to assume where anybody's at as far as their understanding of the end. You almost said I
0: don't want to assume that nobody. Uh, I ain't going to assume nothing
1: but <laughs> I'm probably going to get in trouble for this day and age. You can't you can't take any accent on. But hey,
0: that was just my old man voice. What was that for you?
1: Was that just your, like a hick voice. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we <laughs> go. We got, I like hicks. Me too. <laughs> so the. The Enlightenment was a European intellectual movement in the late 17th and 18th centuries that emphasized reason and individualism above all else, rather than tradition. Tradition as it's played out in religion or in other spheres. So it was very heavily influenced by Locke, Newton, and Kant, Goethe, who, by the way, I didn't know how to pronounce Goethe's name for a long time. I thought it was Goethe. I don't know if you
0: It's Goethe. Like Bertha.
1: You think it's Gertha?
0: Oh, I have no idea. I was just, I actually was trying to repeat what you had just said. Gert. Gertha. Gertha. Okay, yeah. got it. So
1: anyway, the Enlightenment, all this to say, had a huge impact, I think, on where we are today as a society. Mm-hmm. So it began with the rise of modern science and peaked in the French Revolution. So it
0: was like 18th century.
1: Yeah, basically. Yeah. And it's kind of, since that French re- Revolution, so that's, I mean, obviously a, a traumatic event right. societally. It's kind of just been reverberating since then. And I imagine that the Enlightenment would have been accompanied by an, an enormous amount of excitement. Because like we've mentioned before in the podcast, just like the power that comes with this sense of this whole new vista right. of technology and advancement. Like a whole an entirely new way of apprehending the world, basically, mm-hmm. so it probably would have been pretty intoxicating as well. Sure, um, but but devoid
0: of wonder, devoid of—I
1: I think that might have, yeah, that yeah. kind of started happening. I mean, there's been people who've resistant resisted the Enlightenment mm-hmm. even to this day. You know, like creationists—that's something that is resistant to the idea of the Enlightenment and like science mm. being able to explain reality and why we're here. So, but back in the in the day when it first came into the fore, people were kind of shirking off. Like the collective sense of divine command, basically, as being the basis of moral order mm. and morality and rationalism, which is funny because it has it, – it's doctrinal as well. Right. Rationalism has the doctrines of science. That sort of moved into the fore. So – but one thing I want to point out, you know, and now that I've given that kind of very vague cursory overview of the Enlightenment is Kant's specific role in the Enlightenment. So he – enlightened for a faith in God. So Kant believed in God. That was something I didn't realize when I first heard of Kant. I wasn't really sure where he stood, but he did. He believed in God. He just advocated for a faith in God that wasn't tied to any one set of doctrines or any one Hmm. religion. I I think he saw religion as being something regressive, and that inhibited the growth of this new rationalism that he was advocating for. So his belief was more in it in like a universal jurisdiction if that makes sense where all of the different like tribes all of the different racial expressions of faith were sort of like made uh, into this uh, what does that word amount? M- amalgam. Am- amalgamate
0: amalgamate amalgamate yeah. i know what you're talking about yeah, you that's know a hard what one for about. me too. we have similarly hard words
1: let's say it happened yesterday we'll just say collection
0: collection amalgamation oh yes that sound right i,
1: I don't but know but i don't know either. but you know what i mean collection yes so uh, yeah all Simulation. the different religious expressions he was advocating that they would just be this collective of like a peace promoting relation between the self and god so mm. it was more about the self's autonomy even this even I think the way we understand consent today, mm. it's kind of this personal, it is it is what you decide, you know, a, a, as far as your relationship with God. It's not, his cons theory would have been, it's not this spiritual lineage that's been passed on to you. It's not like something you've inherited, which is what religion teaches. Right. It's more... Have you decided that you want to have this relation and how are you going to live it out? Okay so it's very individualist. lot of autonomy A lot of autonomy. Lot of autonomy. So the, and, and he was also obviously big into a dedication to living a morally upright life simply because it's the right thing to do, not yeah. because your religion told you to do it, just because it's a duty-bound right thing to do. Mm. So if you can you can see why the concept of inherited authority like a priesthood or something like that took a big hit with the Enlightenment, obviously. Of course.
0: And why there was a, a, a reaction, you know, by way of emotionalism or fideism or sort of this like suspension of reason.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. a lot of
0: people's faith. Totally. Which yep. I would say is, you know, often what I would even today encounter amongst certain Christian friends who mm-hmm. don't believe that faith and science can dialogue. Right. That faith and reason can mm-hmm. actually arrive at the same mm-hmm. kind of eternal conclusions. Totally, yeah. So it would have... Further created a divide too, huh? Yeah.
1: And it's incredible to see how those modes yeah. of thought are still reverberating. Mm. V- like, I mean, very evidently to this day. So the Kantian view, again, is every individual is self-governing. And that's that's our society's view today, mm. really, for the most part. It's, it's you are – you determine who you are. And I think the Enlightenment, one of the biggest effects was whereas before reality – Created forms were the measure of a man. Hmm. Post enlightenment, man is the measure of reality. Tell me about
0: these. You said created forms. Is that the phrase you just used, or universal forms?
1: Universal forms. What is
0: that? I only vaguely remember this in my kind of like study of Plato. If I if I don't uh, yes. Yeah. You mis- yeah, I think that's like this Socrates sense and Plato. of the ideal or the mm-hmm. perfect out there kind of in yeah. the cosmos and Aristotle kind of grounded the form, meaning that like the, the perfection of things can be found in reality yeah, as well. Yeah, it's,
1: it's this idea that like there's there are a priori truths that are existent that can be discovered. It's like revealed mm-hmm. truth, not revelation like scriptural revelation, but just almost like the – the fact, the infallible logic that two plus two equals four. Right. That exists, and we've discovered that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's It's that idea.
0: Is it have to say that truth and beauty and goodness, these transcendentals that we always talk about, point to those universal forms or lead us, I'm, guide us right. towards those universal forms?
1: Yeah. I think so. I think, cool. I think the the difference there being is that there's different ways of, when you talk about epistemology, there's obviously different ways of apprehending Truth, what is true and what is valid and what is good, I guess you could say. Epistemology
0: so, is the study of what is real, study of what it's is. It's the
1: study of like knowledge, ways of phew, apprehending. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. there's so many different things that I, I don't know a lot about, but yeah. So, but, but yeah. yeah, to but answer that. Your most question. of us
0: would take for granted this sort of post enlightenment. Rationalism. I mean, that's kind of what we're being, in most cases, you know, fed in our schools, Yeah. but maybe even from the pulpit sometimes. And just in our kind of day-to-day practical living of, of concrete circumstances, we, we don't live with wonder, for example. Exactly. We don't live with artistry because right. we
1: maybe wouldn't value it. And it's one of the interesting things about it is that I appreciate that Kant believed in God and wanted other people to believe in God. But it's it's just interesting to see that he wanted to maintain control. You know, like there's no risk involved and it, I don't know. It's it's like probably he would have ascended that there's some mysterious element to God. I don't know how Kant would have understood mystery. But it's just fascinating for me to look at that idea and see how it's, it's just reverberated in this deconstructionism right. across the board. And even Marx was very much affected, by the way, by Kant. And this does pertain to everything we're talking about because he came along and he took that <laughs> Kantian theory <laughs> – and he mangled it up so that he created a new economic order. Like yeah. so the idea that any prevailing power or structure with its moral impositions needs to be overthrown in order to maintain the purity of culture. That's really what he believed. Wow. He, like the purest version of mankind is one that is not inhibited by any structure. So or, or hierarchy.
0: That plays itself out yesterday as I'm walking into a restaurant bathroom. And there's like several single bathroom options. No, uh, yeah. no like, you know. Right. And rather than, like, having the men's room and ladies' room sign, it just had, like, a half-man, half-woman image. And beneath Mm -hmm. that it said, we don't care. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Like, that was sort of, like, a fairly impossible thought even ten years ago. But, like, throw it back to the pre-enlightenment, that would have been literally, like, lunacy for people.
1: Right. Well, that's that's an interesting thing because— the idea, the, the fluidity that we hear about now, today. <laughs> that, like,
0: that, and, and now that word has one meaning to all of us. Right. Fluidity now has been hijacked by a gender kind of uh, debate.
1: It's like, yeah, the, the identity politic thing. Right. The curious thing about that, though, is that Kant wouldn't have been on board with that. Okay. Well, tell me why. I think he wouldn't have been on board with it because of... His how scientific and rational he was he was about oh yeah this sense of what's measurable what's the data that we have here
0: how does it happen that we can deny biology like at what point does it's almost like a i don't know how to say this fideistic rationalism oh, I think, like what yeah. is going on i mean on?
1: again i think it's it is it's the relig- it, it's like a religious doctrine now mm. like the some of on both sides of the political spectrum i That's think a people good point. Yeah. people take our religious impulses, human beings, which I think is innate and somehow instinctual. I don't really know why. Mm. And it comes out in this political platform. Yeah. But the curious thing I think about issues like gender and all of that and identity is that I feel like people are grappling so much with that because of the fact that there's been a total dismantling of of a home base like a total dismantling even of like a a religious body now I spiritual heritage
0: moral compass it's all gone that's what
1: it is like there is no such thing you know post enlightenment as spiritual lineage or Mm. um, you you haven't inherited a holy priesthood like they wouldn't say that you know because that's like ah that's like the old thinking that's superstition but I think It's just so dang confusing if you don't know where you've come from.
0: That's it. Like, I'll never forget studying abroad and actually stepping into, for the first time, beautiful churches, you know. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. there just aren't as many over here in America. Right. (laughs) And I felt immediately at home. I felt immediately connected to a spiritual heritage. It was Absolutely satisfying the religious impulse in me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you're basically saying that people out there have that impulse, have that sense, mm-hmm. and it has to be directed towards something or maybe even someone, mm-hmm. which is why we kind of get a bit of a, you know, savior complex with politicians at times, where we sort of sometimes look at something like the American Constitution with as much kind of dogmatism as we would approach the Bible, yeah, right? Yeah. But it's not just politics, you're saying like how is it playing itself out? most often today where is this misdirected religious impulse being Hmm. satisfied well seemingly satisfied for people
1: well i mean that's a huge question i think that
0: it's like nationalism right yeah that's like not a not like that issue's gone right but that was like literally what the cold war was about
1: yeah and so
0: much of world war ii and where are we today i'm not asking for your absolute perfect assessment of culture but
1: right well i i don't know that's I think that the religious impulse is being funneled in lots of different directions. But I think at the base of the religious impulse has always been a need to feel like you belong mm. to something, to a community that will protect you and that will pass on rights and traditions so that you know who you are. Like, well, I think... like,
0: social media does this for people, yeah, interestingly enough.
1: Yeah, right. It, it does. It, it, there's a weird hierarchical structure. With even <laughs> like, like, you... We all look, how many followers does this person have? Yeah. And that gives, it's so superficial, but it's instinctual. Like, we do want to see where does so-and-so fall That's right. in this structure. That's just part of us, I think, as a species, too. But even the example of if you look at gangs in cities, yeah, a lot of the people who are in gangs, a lot of the, the young men, typically, they don't have a good father figure. The thing about a gang is that it provides, initial like, rights of initiation. You mm. have to do this to be part of this gang and there's something so deep that needs that okay like gangs are usually not a great scene yeah but they're filling some very basic need that a young man has Mm. to have direction in order to belong to Mm. prove himself you know that he belongs to this group and i think that's religion used to do that for people yeah in a really good and, and religion kind of answered some questions like identity that can't be measured by science okay like so it's it's interesting like yes i i i'm a rationalist when it comes to biology and creative forms i just think that there are two genders like the, and i mean gender is another complete like like defining biological sex and gender that's a whole other topic because they're they're different definitions but i do think there's Biological differences. Like, that's just observable. It's it's data. But and that's as far connected as, to gender. I think it is connected. Yes, yeah. I do. I absolutely do. I think they're intertwined. Yeah. But as far as your own identity as a person, mm. it makes sense to me that people wonder who they are. I wonder yeah. who I am. Like, what does it mean to be Jimmy? What does it mean to be Alana? And, and my faith does— does confer meaning That's right. onto the unanswerable questions where my rationalism can't you know where where science cannot and when i when i go to a place of worship again those answers are not given but i'm consoled i guess in yeah. my doubts i've opened up with you before like i have a lot of doubts mm. about religion even but i still know it's necessary for yeah. me yeah i think to have well serenity to have to be mentally healthy even like I just need to have a sense of that belonging and, and a sense of, a, sense of a, a pattern, a sense of a ritual that's physically felt in my body. That's why I love the sacraments. Mm. You know, like they engage me as a human person with a body. Mm. So hmm. I don't know. if Is all this making sense? Like, it's great. Or is it like sort of scatter? I mean, it's probably a bit scattershot. No, but it's really
0: good. And do you I have think, any thoughts? I think the, the, the closing thought for hopefully our listeners is this. Where is my religious impulse directed at the moment? Yeah, you know, and I think like mm-hmm. the the really beautiful tie in with Love Good is you know when I listen to a song that brings me outside of myself, yeah. when I watch a movie that by the end of it makes me just feel more human, and that doesn't always mean like the Greatest Showman. Mm-hmm. Most recently, in this beautiful boy movie oh, with yeah, Steve Carell, it just that. haunts me even mm-hmm. still. There is something very real about that impulse that, that you're describing yeah. that sense in me. Mm-hmm. Where is it directed? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a healthy examine for anybody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We've got this in us. Where is it currently directed? Yeah. And chances are, if, as you've even kind of hinted at, if it's sort of scattered and constantly directing itself in a lot of different ways, it's mm-hmm. a good chance it's mm-hmm. not satisfied. Yeah. Because it's always searching and always looking for the next hopeful satisfaction. You right. Know? And I know that for me, this is actually like a constant struggle, but also like rediscovering that Pearl of Great Price over and over and over again, that the mm-hmm. religious impulse for me, it's got to be pointed heavenward. Otherwise, the rest of it just stops making sense. Mm-hmm. The rest of it stops actually feeling like it has any purpose at all. Yeah. That's real for me. Yeah.
1: And w- one one real quick thing. When, when we talk about the religious impulse, I just want to say I'm not talking about the – I, the way that a lot of people are going to think of religion and they're going to think of like hive mind, like letting an institution do your thinking for you. That's not what we mean. I'm talking about the need to worship something bigger and the need to feel belonging. Yeah. Like that's – we're just boiling all the fat off of it and saying like so that you as a listener know. Like that's what we're talking about when we're asking like where where do you feel that erupting in your life and how is it being channeled? You know, Because right. like Nietzsche said – I think I mentioned this before – We can't interpret ourselves to ourselves, you know, so there's just a need to like worship something to find identity in what we worship. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the stuff out there, you're given just this like, it feels like you have a thousand options of something to worship and find your identity, a thousand filters, a thousand definitions of gender. (laughs) You know what I mean? But it's like, it's, it's too much. It's just too much to actually have a foothold in, you know, like, yeah. I, 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 So I feel like the Enlightenment, in other words, is kind of coming back and biting us in the butt. That's right. Because like the religious impulse is there. It's not going away. And it's coming out sideways, That's I right. think. You know? And you
0: see that in the French Revolution, right? It's rationalism gone wrong. Yeah. Taken to its extreme conclusion. Right. And I think that yeah. is a wonderful question for all of us. And in what ways does... Yeah, music, books, art, films affect my religious impulse, Mm -hmm. either redirecting it in the right direction or not. What effect does technology have, which is where the conversation started? Yeah. But the very least to recognize that the very impulse itself— man, like what encouragement Mm. that brings me knowing that there is something more and specifically someone more that my heart longs for. And again, that's what hope is for me, closing in on that desire and building my life around it. Even if the waiting is in the end a lifetime, I'm convinced that the joy of waiting is greater than um, Than all of the world's passing pleasures. So, um, As always.
1: Go read Les Mis, everybody, by the way. On this topic, on the whole thing, I would recommend, maybe as a challenge, instead of Instagram in the evening, read like a few pages of that book.
0: Yeah, and I can't actually recommend this to all of our listeners, but Beautiful Boy, Mm. it beautifully, no pun intended, I suppose, points to the tragic loss of the religious impulse through addiction. Mm -hmm. Alana, such a pleasure as always. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, everyone miss you darling i yeah i miss you darling i do yeah miss you darling i darling i darling i do yeah miss you darling i yeah miss you darling i, yeah, you, darling, I do yeah miss you darling i darling i darling i do Thanks, as always, for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast, everybody. It's such a privilege being able to accompany you as we raise our standard for media, as we build a better culture. And even today, we'll learn a little bit more about the history of philosophy and the kinds of schools of thought, really, that have informed our culture today. So, massive thanks to Alana. And we'd love to hear y'all's thoughts in that conversation. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, please reach out to us. All right, I'm very excited to announce that we have... An incredible, brand new, acoustic, intimate live video releasing on YouTube today with Michelle Mandico. So Michelle was obviously our guest last week on the podcast. We recorded this beautiful song at our Love Good Sessions, which was a house concert we did in Nashville last spring. And the song is called Giant Love. So if you're not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel do it today. And either way, hop on YouTube and type in Michelle Mandico, giant love. You will not be disappointed. By the way, next week, we're going to have Atlanta back into the studio. We're going to mix things up a little bit and have a conversation about Valentine's Day. All right. also known as Singles Awareness Day. You will find me yet again squirming in my seat as we talk about dating, marriage, the masculine and feminine genius, all the things that I love but am least comfortable talking about, especially on a podcast. So tune back in for that and know that soon we will be announcing the artist that will be featured in our spring package to patrons. All kinds of fun stuff coming up. We love you guys. Hope you have an amazing rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon. Peace.
2: Thanks for tuning in to Season 2 of the Love Good Podcast. Tell your friends all about us. Stay in touch on social media and be sure to stop by iTunes or Stitcher to give us a review. You can join our movement today by subscribing as a patron at lovegoodculture.com. Start enjoying our seasonal packages that will raise your standard for media and inspire you to build a better culture. We can't wait to accompany you as you change the world.